What's up, everybody? Welcome to the fourth episode of Fear Frequency. And as I say every week, I'm surprised we made it this far. My name is Jimmy Champagne. I'm your host. And with me today is my co-host, George Frizzard. How's it going? Good, man. What's up? So last week's episode was pretty quiet on the podcast apps. Oh, yeah? That was the general feedback? Uh, I noticed it. I listened to the episode when I was driving home because I'm a self-congratulatory man like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this is really quiet. So I turn it up, turn it up, turn it up. And then I look, and my radio dial is at 27. It's at, like, the 27th interval. And I'm like, shit, I never go over 20. So <laughs> it's a little quiet, and lo and behold, someone commented, one Patrick Wilding on uh, YouTube. He said, please turn it up next week. My infant ears cannot handle this. Well, he didn't say the second part, but yeah, it was a little quiet. So this week, we watched a 12-minute tutorial on how to tune our mics right with Audacity. So it should be better. Yeah, hopefully it works right this time. Yeah. So, did you have a good week? Yeah, uh, a lot of cool stuff going on this week. Yeah. So before we start, I want to hear about uh, you seeing Halloween in theaters because that doesn't fit into our repertoire. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so as you know, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners know, they were doing a re-release of the first Halloween in theaters across the United States in, you know, in honor of, I guess, just like the hype around John Carpenter right now and Halloween. And so I was lucky enough to have a theater playing it like roughly 20 minutes away from me. So I went and saw that last night at midnight. And it was really cool to see that movie on a big screen. Yeah, it was like a 4K restoration, like very similar to the one that J.J. Abrams paid for for Phantasm just because he liked the movie. Yeah, it looked really good. There was like a few details that I saw that I hadn't really noticed before that you can really see when it's fully, completely restored on such a huge screen like that. And, you know, it's a way that you probably would never see the movie if you didn't go see it in theaters. Yeah, I'm kind of nervous to watch my regular Blu-ray on my 4K TV because, you know, it's an older movie and it's compressed already. I wish they would release this 4K version on Blu-ray. That would be sweet. A 4K Blu-ray of Halloween 1, I'd buy that in a second. Yeah. Um, but you were mentioning that the audience was a little weird. Yeah, so the the weird thing about the audience was, so you assume everyone who goes to see this movie on midnight is already a fan of this movie, right? Right. Because why else would you go see this like 30-year-old movie? Yeah, it's like seeing The Room at midnight. You know, like there's a reason for you to be there. Right, exactly. You didn't just happen into the movie theater like at 11.30 be like, <laughs> hey, I want to go see a movie at midnight. Right, exactly. So uh, for the most part, everyone is quiet, just kind of enjoying the movie. But every scene where michael myers would just be standing somewhere being horrifying like the classroom scene when laurie strode is looking out the window and she sees him standing next to the car outside right and then she turns and sees him then turns back to the teacher and looks back and he's gone yeah like any scene like that people would just laugh whenever they saw michael myers (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) and it's like (laughs) how is that funny what is funny about seeing this horrifying guy in a mask hiding in what a suburban was, what neighborhood. What was the age demographic of the, like, viewership? It was, like, probably roughly, like, mid to late 20s. So did you stand up and, like, start screaming, like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> what I is just, wrong? <laughs> I, I was just extremely confused by that. And also, there was a guy who sat directly behind me who, whenever he 
heard a joke or thought something was funny in the movie, he would go, ha! And then, <laughs> and then just be completely silent. Ha! <laughs> and then... I'm going to do that. And then at the climax of the movie, at the chase with Michael Myers chasing down Laurie Strode, like the last like 25% of the movie, the dude was knocked out cold, snoring, <laughs> just like <laughs> directly behind me. Just like... <sighs> Okay, this isn't horror, but I'm going to tell a quick story. So I have a movie pass, and I just I was going to see my girlfriend at the mall she works at uh, to get Chick-fil-A with her. And I was like, oh, I have this movie pass. I should check what the movies, like, movie theaters playing. And I was like, The Foreigner? Yeah, I'll go see that. Now, I noticed that immediately that there are no tickets sold to this movie that starts in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, cool, I'm going to have, like, whole theater to myself. But uh, I get in there, and... No, there's like a ton of people there, which is really weird. But there's these two old ladies, a, a couple chairs down from me, and one of them fell asleep immediately. <laughs> and then with the way she was breathing was so weird. She was just like, I, I, I kept getting distracted by it because she was like, <gasps> <sighs> like through her mouth. And there was someone with her, like watching the movie. And I, like, leaned forward, and I kept looking at her to, like, make eye contact to, like, alert this lady that I was irritated, like most of the people were. And then three rows back, this guy goes, wake up! <laughs> wake up! He's the guy from <laughs> the, the, old lady, the down. <laughs> the lady was like, oh, 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 And then she's watching it. And then at the end of the movie, which is, like, uh, it has a lot of plot threads. Lot, it's a political thriller with a lot of different things going on. She goes, that was so stupid. <laughs> I didn't understand <laughs> any of it as i'm like walking by her and i was like if you were like under 70 i would ream your ass out in front of everyone here like you you deserve it but no i just was like i gave her the metal gear and then i walked by metal gear so yeah i mean like movie pass is great i love going to the movie theater sounds like uh, we both had pretty mediocre experiences all around besides the movies being good right I mean, I, I would still recommend anyone go see that movie in theaters just for the pure, you know, you probably won't be able to see Halloween in theaters anytime soon again, so you might as well take the opportunity while it's available. Yeah, it's still playing for like a week, I think, until until Halloween. Yeah. Uh, Ooh. But it was, it was cool. It was a good uh, restoration, and the sound mixing was so on point. It was ridiculous. Every, like, jump scare and scream lands, like, perfectly awesome i'm seeing uh john carpenter on halloween uh next tuesday when we launch our next episode episode five is going to come out on halloween so that's pretty cool so we won't talk about the john carpenter concert until the following week but i'm pretty stoked yeah um i'm jealous you get to go see him live yeah my girlfriend did a good job okay so we're going to jump into the first segment in a second but first i want to let y'all know that we're going to do our normal show here uh, but segment three is an interview with the director Peter Rick of Dead Shack. So Dead Shack is a movie we're talking about in segment two. So if you want to hear more about how just brutal it was to make this movie, uh, just stick around after segment two. But we're going we're gonna to talk a little longer about the movies this week so that you don't feel a little shortchanged. But there's going to be about 20 minutes at the end of the show where we get to actually talk to a director for the first time. Uh, he ended up being in L.A. just by total happenstance recording an album. So I drove down to Hollywood and got it, got to interview him. So that's going to be the segment three of this week. That covers the housekeeping. So let's get into segment one, which is 
news. There's a lot of game news this week, which is cool. So the first thing we have is that, so when Resident Evil 7 came out in January, there was a season pass for this game, because that's the standard now. And one of the things they announced was a, uh, an expansion called Not a Hero, starring the new version of Chris Redfield, who looks and sounds like a human being. Mm-hmm. And that was going to be a free expansion that picks up right at the end of the first game. But uh, I guess that was outsourced, and then when the creative lead on Resident Evil 7 saw how it was coming along, he got pissed, and then they took it in internal and remade it. So that's coming out December 12th for free for everyone who owns the game. And then also, if you have a season pass or you buy the newly announced Gold Edition, you'll get End of Zoe, which is uh, it's a new campaign that picks up. It, uh, there's a choice in Resident Evil 7 where you pick your wife or Zoe, who's one of the bakers, and this DLC assumes you picked your wife, unlike me, who made the wrong decision. <laughs> and uh, she she stumbles out into the bayou and um, turns into an ice crystal. And then this old man named Joe finds her. And he's like, I'm going to save you. And that's $15. I'm just happy with more Resident Evil 7. I thought that game was one of the best horror games I've ever played. And the more I, I get to delve back into that game, the better, in my opinion. I thought that the first game... The base game, I guess, was just incredible. I think it kind of falls apart near the end, like the last like 25% kind of... Yeah, the ship is really stupid. Yeah, it gets kind of a bit too action-y for me, but I thought that everything leading up to that was so good. The boss fights were incredible. The setting was so scary. I mean, it was so immersive. Like, everything looked so good and was just so on point that, I mean, the if it's the same people doing more content for that game, I'm a sucker. I'm buying it. I don't care. Yeah, um, I have the season pass already so i'm gonna play it but i would buy it otherwise i'm I'm excited for the free one too like playing as chris is gonna be fun he gets a bunch of like actiony stuff uh he gets so you know how ethan in the game can punch like kind of weekly chris can do his meteor punch and just destroy oh with it's his, like a movie hit. with his bicep the size of a two liter bottle yeah it, it's a more realistic take on that but it's still you, you know what they're calling out yeah so that's cool they know what and the then, fans so, are looking for yeah, yeah, they want to see him punch a rock. So, <laughs> next on the list, we have that the director of Creep and Creep 2, Patrick Bryce, who also starred in Creep, he he has confirmed that there's going to be three movies total, and that's the end of the the bad guy, Mark Duplass's character. So, originally, this, this trilogy was supposed to be done in a year, like, released all of them in a year, mm-hmm. but obviously that didn't happen when it blew up on Netflix and the second one comes out this week, but we'll get one more Creep movie, and that's it. Yeah, uh, I think once you see the end of two, you understand that it is set up for a third part. Uh, I think that the third installment in this franchise is going to be really cool. Yeah, so I don't want to talk too much about that because that is coming up in segment two. So then the next thing I got on here is that The Evil Within 2 on PC you can play it in first person, just like Resident Evil 7, with a really easy cheat command. Yeah, I saw a little-known YouTuber, uh, Jimmy Champagne, just did a video on this on his channel about how to I activate it, it. You just go to YouTube and type in tuna sub, <laughs> and you'll find it. And you'll, it's, it pops up as first video. But, uh, yeah, I saw I saw your video on this. I, I had no idea this was even a feature until you told me about it, but uh, pr- pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's kind of strange that it's hidden in the game's code i guess but there are certain parts of the game where you are in first person and i get that you could just yeah. carry you know just like apply that to everything but it seems weird that they would put it in the game to actually be functional and then not have it be yeah. an option right it's it's weird that um so the two parts in the game where you are in first person you can't use combat 
but then the combat is fully modeled like right. in first person which is bizarre and it looks good like it's p- totally playable it adds it keeps the crosshairs and everything yeah so it's like it's as if they designed it for i guess this isn't really a spoiler but once once you beat the game the first time it unlocks um letterboxing mode for the game <laughs> like from the first game yeah and it's like it's <laughs> pl- great it's like play the game in this mo- more cinematic version with letterboxing like obviously a joke because like yeah, everyone, everyone just like ripped on the game that. so hard for being letterboxed they add that so i i could imagine that they were going to add that as like once you beat the hard mode you can play it in first person or something but skip then, ahead to the evil within seven right like maybe they're going to make a joke about that and make you available to play it in first person but then maybe they didn't have like all the animations down and didn't really want to release it or something i don't i don't really get what the logic is behind it yeah i could see now that people know about it i feel like they're gonna make it more official and patch it in because why not at that point like it works really well it needs a little bit of tweaking here and there like the animations are still in third person and stuff but overall it works really well and it was kind of fun playing for in first person it made it a lot easier to aim and uh some of the killing effects, like the the head geysers and stuff, look so much better in that perspective. So I would be happy if they just patched it in. But it's really easy to do, and if you want to do that yourself on the PC version, just go to my YouTube channel, and there's a really two-minute... It's like a two-minute video that I made about how to do it. Yeah, it, it wouldn't really shock me if they released this as a feature when they do the PS4 Pro update for the game <laughs> and the Xbox Scorpio release. That's so stupid that ps4 people ps4 pro people have to wait for the xbox patch like yeah okay so the punisher got its uh, i'm assuming this is the final trailer before the release of the um season but it got an official release date and one final trailer before the show comes out the release date is november 17th after seeing that latest trailer i'm just super excited i you know joe barenthal is great and i just I'm assuming that he's just going to do a great job with it. Yeah, dude. I, I I, haven't watched a lot of the Marvel shows. I've watched Daredevil. I started the other ones. I didn't really get into them. But, man, I like The Punisher. The Daredevil looks super good in HDR with, like, 4K Netflix. The colors are amazing. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming they shot this in HDR again. I'm all in on this show. I'm probably going to binge it on November 17th, which is not my usual practice. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be a cool kind of look at the frank castle character and i think everyone was pretty happy with the way that he was portrayed in uh, season two of daredevil and everyone's just basically waiting for this to come out so now, now we have to bring it down uh there's no more freddy for robert england confirmed well i mean we kind of knew that he wouldn't ever come back for a movie at this point yeah and honestly i'm i'm happy about this just like let it go this franchise like that franchise is one that definitely doesn't need to come back as far as i'm concerned like they did their stuff. Like uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare is a perfect end to the Freddy mythos, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Um, there was actually a, an interview with him I watched a while back that was um, basically someone was asking him why he thought that uh, the remake didn't do so well and didn't get you know reviewed very well by critics, and he was saying that it, it just not not enough time has passed since those movies came out. You can yeah. get the whole series on blu-ray and watch it on a tv and it looks as you know it looks great it looks as good as it ever did and the, it's still relevant and holds up so there's no real reason to remake this or reboot the franchise and get a different freddy in there you can these movies are still relevant and still watchable it's not really like they need to be you need a new freddy or anything at this point yeah totally like that makes sense so 
when EW asked him, like, why he's not going to do anymore, he said, I'm too old for another Freddy now. He's age 70. If I do a fight now, it's got to be real minimal because I can't snap my head for eight different takes and eight different angles. My spine gets sore. I can still be mean and scary, but I'm mostly relegated now to sort of Van Helsing roles. Old doctors and shit. So it's fun that the last moment of me ever playing Freddy is a wink to the audience, and that's in Freddy vs. Jason. <laughs> yeah. And that's cool. That is kind of like cool. That. I do like that. Um, I mean, he's he really is that character more more so than any other characters played. Like, well, like the top three are like Michael... You know, Freddy and Jason, and he's really the only actor that's been consistently the same character for all those movies and makes the character so, you know, celebrated amongst horror fans. Yeah, right, exactly. And, you know, he says uh, he got 20 years out of that character and he's ready to move on. Like, I'm totally fine with that. And I saw people getting upset about this, but it's like, really? Did you really think he was going to come back? Like, why? Like, why? Just let it go. Like, I- Just let it go. I- I'd actually be kind of upset if they did a new Freddy movie and he was Freddy like, for the whole movie, because it's just, like, you really want a 70-year-old guy. I mean, yeah, he's Robert England. He's great. He was able to play him so well, bring the character to life, you know, 30 years ago. But now, it's like, really? You really want him to come back and do that as, like, this kind of, like, this old guy? Yeah, it's just like, yeah, let it go. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Next up, so I guess for the past year, Greg Nicotero, leading up to the 100th episode of The Walking Dead, which is airing right now, he's been remaking classic movie posters with walking dead characters and i mean you can you can see these over on bloody disgusting they've been updating this article throughout the year but man they're not good i I believe that he spent a year making like two of these and then did the rest in like a half hour yeah like the thing one or yeah the thing one is great yeah so good and then you scroll up about one pixel and you see the like (laughs) shining one that he did and jesus it's so bad like some of these are embarrassingly bad for like a professional to put out yeah i think the highlights are definitely the exorcist remake the yeah that was good the thing the ghostbusters one isn't horrible but really a lot of these are not that good (laughs) yeah the comments are great on this article (laughs) there were a couple that we picked out so the thing style one is the best the rest well whoever made them had fun (laughs) I feel like that's accurate. And then uh, Necro says, number one, Night of the Living Dead. Number two, The Exorcist. Number three, Alien. The rest are ass. Also, I think the Ghostbuster one is the dumbest thing I've ever seen with an exclamation point. So I guess everyone's on the same page here. But if you want to check, like some of them are cool. It's like a funny, goofy thing. If you're a big fan of the show, you'll get it. You'll be like, huh. Then you'll move on with your life. Yeah, but these just feel very fan made and not like very professional. Yeah. The thing one, good. The thing one. Other one cool yeah everything else kind of so uh yeah you can go see that on bloody disgusting uh you want to talk about the next one since you're the stephen king expert (laughs) i try to be um so ign scott cholera interviewed bill skarsgård about coming back for the next installment of it it too yeah it too when they're adults old it old it when everyone comes back to good old Derry, Maine. And uh, basically, Skarsgård was talking about the backstory of Pennywise and how he wants that to be more prevalent in the sequel. Uh, he said that Skarsgård researched Pennywise's backstory, and he said, I'm going to get through those 1,200 pages, I guess at least one more time, before going back to part two of that film. And he thinks that the key elements of Pennywise's backstory should be included in the sequel. I just don't think that's going to be in there, dude. I think they're going for that Stranger Things crowd of people who are, like, super nostalgic and, you know, want 
references thrown in their face because this is it's the same thing that's going to happen with Stranger Things 2 where they're going to see that it captured a wide audience appeal by throwing so much nostalgia in and then they're going to do the same thing because they want those same people to come back but also reach a bigger audience. Right. And the actual backstory behind the Pennywise character that's in the book is so abstract and strange that I think that if they were to try to put that in the movie, it would really alienate a lot of people, and they are obviously trying to stay away from that as much as possible. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not trying to shit on it, but, you know, this movie has a very clear audience, and that's every single person in the world, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not it's not a niche thing. Like, it's trying to make a lot of money. And, uh, like, The Conjuring works, even though it's a surprisingly Christian movie, it still made a lot of money. It didn't make it money, you know? Like, yeah. it appeals to a very broad audience. And I don't think, like, if you start getting into the ritual of Chud and a giant turtle and shit, like, yeah, you, you want to turn people off immediately. That's how you do it. Yeah. Um, there's, like, some there's some very weird stuff in the climax of it that I, I think that the way that they handled it in the movie where it was actually probably better than in the book just because it is more focused and not really grounded because he's still like a shape-shifting monster yeah. that people, you know, he's obviously a supernatural being. But it's at least done in a way that is kind of believable in a sense that in mm-hmm. the book when they try to do it, when they try to explain it and try to end it, it, it just goes so deep into like the weird, crazy mind of like coked up Stephen King that I just don't think that's going to really translate well to the screen. Yeah. So, I mean, it's cool that he wants to get to know the character and if he does know all of that stuff, it'll probably influence the way he plays him. So that's cool. Yeah. It's just like, I don't want him to be disappointed and sad when Andy Muschietti or whatever is like, nah, man, that ain't happening. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I was reading something about him talking about like the backstory of it when the, the first part came out. And he was saying that basically he, like, respects the whole, like, cosmic turtle origin of it thing. But he said that he doesn't really like that, like, feature of the book. And he was basically just trying to add little nods and references to it in the movie, but not really go into it. Basically just saying, like, if you know and you appreciate that, then you can kind of see, like, a nod to it, but not actually put it in the movie. Like, there's multiple parts in the first uh, part one of it where the kids are, like, all together and they are swimming and then they see a turtle. And, yeah. Or when, uh, you know, he goes into Georgie's room and he picks up the Lego and it's a Lego turtle. Like, the, he obviously is alluding to, you know, the cosmic turtle that helps them out through the end of the book, but not... Yeah, that works. Right. I mean, Leave that's, fine. that's more a nod to the book readers than it is like actually adding that plot element to the movie. And I think that's yeah. probably better than doing it the other way around. Definitely. So um, moving on, our last news story here is that Resident Evil Revelations 1 and 2 Switch Bundle has exclusive mini games. Oh. And they look stupid. Like, they don't look great. One of them is kind of a remake of Super Ghouls and Ghosts, which is cool where he plays Barry. I don't know if it's the whole game. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, it's just it's cool to see that, you know... While Capcom releases this game once a month, it seems like, they're packaging it together on the Switch, you know, in its own little thing. They're adding in exclusive stuff. They're giving people a reason to buy it. Yeah, and uh, I think that... I I didn't play the second one, but I thought the first one was uh, really good and something that every horror, survival horror game 
you know, enthusiasts should play. Really, the only minigame I'd be interested in that they would bundle into this is the uh, Mercenaries mode that they added. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> uh, I think it debuted in, what, Resident Evil 4 was the first time Mercenaries I mode. have no idea. I think it was in older ones, but you still played third person. I have no clue. I'm, I'm not sure if it was 4 or if it was an earlier one, but basically it's just a kind of survival mode where you try to get the most points against the clock by killing the most amount of enemies while searching the area and they actually had a standalone 3ds version of the game that i know you and i played the shit out of oh god it's so good <laughs> and so underrated uh, everyone hates it they're like it's just mercenaries mode for 30 bucks and it's like yeah it's mercenaries mode for 30 bucks <laughs> it's like that's all i really want it's on the 3ds awesome. is just play the sweet mercenaries mode i remember you and i just staying up playing like hours of that just trying to get like the highest scores for each other and god, just... dude we gotta each have like 50 hours in that game like it's <laughs> insane we unlocked everything we unlocked every map and every character like that was awesome yeah all the alternative costumes we got everything oh, but it had like it had leon it had chris it had Clunk, barry it had every fucking character you could ever want in that game like that game is a treasure and I, I don't think it's a cult classic because i know everyone hates it but it had multiplayer on a 3ds it was the 3ds like launch era title that had multiplayer great maps some good dlc good shooting yeah looked pretty decent like yeah. come on and it actually worked it was super easy to connect with your friends and play that and yeah. i i think if they did like a, a mercenaries mode addition to this and had some online multiplayer i know this is like probably the only game you and i would play to the end of october yeah seriously if they like raid mode is in it which is cool in both of them and that's kind of like uh it's levels so you go through like harder and harder levels trying to build up your character and then you fight a big boss at the end of each chapter which is cool but mercenaries should be in it as well i i just wish that it got a, a better uh you know receptance when it came out so that we could keep keep having that in in Such the games bummer. like uh, imagine that in resident bummer. evil 7 where you have basically like a zombies mode my god yeah, they kind of added it with Ethan Must Die, but, like, eh, th that's different. Because it's, like, that's more of a tower defense than a true mercenaries follow-up. Yeah. It, so. Yeah. That's that's really the only minigame I'd be interested in. I think everything else is kind of throwaway, but. Yeah, I watched some footage. doesn't look good. But yeah. I'm probably going to get that bundle because it's on Switch, so who cares? Right. And I'll probably get it, too, since I didn't play the second one, so. Um, okay, so that brings us to the end of segment one. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to move on to segment two and talk about Dead Shack and Creep 2, and maybe The Babysitter, you know, if we're feeling frisky. We might talk about that. Uh, so we will be right back. Okay, so we're back from our quick break that we actually took this time, and... We're going to start out segment two by talking about Dead Shack. So this is a movie directed by Peter Rick, and it's being put up by our friends at Raven Banner Entertainment. It's a Canadian horror movie, and it doesn't really have a release date yet, but it premieres in Canada on Halloween, so you know it's going to be coming out pretty soon. Um, basically, the plot synopsis is like three kids, they take a family trip up to... Um, like a cabin that they get on Airbnb out in the Canadian wilderness, and then they meet their neighbor, and it turns out she's keeping a little horde of zombies in her house, and she's luring um, teens from the area to the house so that she can feed them to the zombies she has. And uh, it's got a little bit of Stranger Things, got a lot of Evil Dead, and I liked it. Yeah, I, I also thought it was good. It 
It uh, definitely incorporates the kind of horror comedy elements into it, where yeah. a lot of the characters are really funny and lighthearted when faced with such a gruesome reality. <laughs> but they also have a lot of good gore, and the movie just has a lot of heart in general. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, like, the only real problem I had with it was the editing, because, you know, like, some of the scenes are a little longer than they should be, but it's just because this movie has such a tough time getting made. Like, uh, they had to hit a certain amount of time for festivals, I think, and I know at the end of the day, they were like, some of these effects don't look great, so then after they were done filming the movie, they took it to Kickstarter, and they were like, we need 12 grand minimum to do the visual effects in post that we need to do. But like 52 grand would pay for everything. They cleared the 12 grand by like just a little bit. So they paid for some good CGI that I couldn't even see. Yeah. I thought that everything really flowed together. There wasn't really any part that stuck out as, you know, very weird or out of place. Um, All the characters are really interesting and fun to follow. Um, The dad character in particular of the, two of the kids is probably my favorite character in the movie he's like yeah, hilarious he's throughout and yeah i was like <laughs> laughing out loud at him a lot of times like there are a couple cringy jokes like just a couple but you're not gonna land every joke in a movie you know when it's not a hyper tuned comedy that has 50 million writers uh, i think the jokes came out pretty well right but it, it also kind of makes it even more endearing that he's like making dad jokes and stuff that are like they're not funny but they're like a joke that an actual dad would make so you're like yeah. oh jesus this is too <laughs> real yeah those are the ones i didn't laugh at and I'm just like, uh. <laughs> but it, and then his girlfriend is great yeah his girlfriend's good um the all the kid actors i mean they're not really kids they're like teenagers but still uh they were all well acted the two frat guys that are in the movie for a little bit are as douchey as a normal typical frat guy is in a horror movie and I love how uh, when I was trying to figure out how old, because the girl Summer, she looks like she's the same age as the two other kids in the movie, uh, and then Jason's the main character, and I was trying to figure out how old he is because the Summer is talking down to those characters and they all look like the same age, and then she goes, "What are you like, fourteen? And it's like you know they just put that in the script because uh, Finn Wolfhard was supposed to play his character, and then. He, uh, it was right when they started filming Stranger Things 2 that they filmed this movie, so he couldn't be in it. Mm. Um, but then, so, Finn Wolfhard is a younger kid, but the guy that they replaced him with, uh, Matthew Mahood, he, he's a little older. So, you know he's not 14, but they give you a, a really good nod at how old he's supposed to be. Yeah, it's almost like an, like an inside joke, like a wink to the audience. Like, we know he's not actually 14, but just go with it. <laughs> get, it makes the story work better if, it, if he's not as old as the other kids. Yeah, and I really like the the scenery in this movie. It's another one of these freaking horror movies that are filmed in the woods in Canada, like Piwacket. Uh, and like, lo and behold, it came out great. Like the scenery looks awesome, even though they're really largely spending the entire movie in two two houses. Yeah, I didn't even think about that when watching it. I never felt like it was a a small budget or like constrained to these two houses for any you know bad reason. It's basically two houses and a forest, and you're just kind of so involved in the story and the characters and what's going to happen next that you don't even really notice that it's such a small scale for what they're doing. Yeah, and uh, the soundtrack did come out really good. It's like really, it doesn't necessarily match the movie in, in my mind, but it's it's kind of like dark and brooding, even though it's kind of like a it's a horror comedy. But the the soundtrack is synth heavy and super it, like. 
it just creeps you out and it gives you that sense of dread that I feel like the movie needed to like kick into the horror aspect of it. Um, I think that the all the comedy elements are nailed pretty well. Uh, and once that kind of goes into the Evil Dead, like they, you know, when they choose to fight back against the the zombies and kind of gear up and get ready to go, I think that that all works really well. All the effects are, you know, they all look really good. I never was pulled out of the experience in any way seeing the effects. Everything seemed to flow well to me. I didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. Uh, I just thought that it was a good movie. It was a great story. I liked all the characters, and. The only thing I'm not a huge fan of that I know you liked was the ending. <laughs> yeah, the ending is a joke. Like, it's it's a hard joke. And uh, the more I think about it, the less I like it. You know, it's one of those things. Yeah. Like, when we're talking about the movie, I realize, like, how grounded it is throughout, even though it is a horror comedy. And I just feel like ending on a joke, in hindsight, probably wasn't the best idea. Like, it's funny, but I don't... Like, it's just, it happens, and you're like, oh. Like, you look at what happens, and you're like, so this whole thing could have just been avoided <laughs> if they would have just, yeah. like, been smart about it, but they weren't. So that kind of, like, pulled the tracks from the plot a little bit. But if you just look at it as, like, it's supposed to be, like, a final, like, joke to the audience, then I can forgive it, but I just think that it, it wasn't really, like a good ending yeah you like immediately texted me and then i i, I said i liked it at the time but then the more i think about it, the more i'm like yeah it could have been better but hey that's that's a minor gripe yeah um with with a largely solid movie throughout um it it, it definitely outshines its budget by a lot yeah uh if you told me this was like a five million dollar movie i wouldn't bet an eye i, I would give... yeah like you can take off the indie glasses you know like you don't have to go into it thinking like oh well you know if they had more money that would have been better if they had more money that would have been better you don't notice that stuff like it's very consistent throughout it has a good look too yeah i really liked the the way it was filmed i don't know if there's like any kind of uh, like film grain really but it feels like gritty when it's supposed to and it also is like light and lighthearted when it needs to be. So I mean that's just good editing, you know, use of lighting and time of day to really kind of put you in the moment in the movie, the same as the characters are. I, yeah. All those really hit for me. I thought that the setting was really cool, having a cabin in the two cabins in the woods, and just like you know these kids stumble upon this thing that they're not ready to face, and. I mean, even the the girl who has the zombies chained up, you get a little bit more of her backstory as the movie goes, which was kind of predictable. You kind of, for me at least, I figured out what the zombies were, like, pretty almost immediately. Yeah, like, they're not necessarily trying to hide it, but it it was very easy to figure it out. Right, I mean, they don't hide it, but they kind of reveal it later in the movie as if it's, like, just in case you didn't figure it out, like, (laughs) this is exactly what it is, like... (laughs) If you weren't paying attention at all. Yeah, I don't think all, they needed that. Yeah, I think they <laughs> could have just... Figured it out pretty quick. Yeah, if they would have just not said that, I think I don't think anyone who's watching it wouldn't understand what's going on, but... Uh, <laughs> right. So, overall, I think we both give this movie a rent it, for sure, or buy it on VOD services when it's out. Yeah, I'd say it's a great movie to watch in October, and if you can get it on Halloween, I'd say this is a you know good choice to watch. On Halloween night. Yeah, and we go pretty deep into it with my interview with Peter, which is, again, at the end of the show. So, um, yeah, that's Dead Shack. We're going to move right on to Creep 2, the sequel to Creep. Oh, yeah. Creep 2, Creep Returns, baby. So, disclaimer, we're spoiling the first movie. So, if you haven't seen the first movie, just get the hell out of here because, like, you you need to spoil the first movie. 
uh, to talk about the second one. So I feel like I'm just going to ramble for a second. Okay, I'm done rambling. That was fair, your fair warning. If you're still here, we're going to spoil Creep 1. Quick note, Creep 1 is on Netflix if you want to go watch it. So <laughs> Yeah, that's where it came out. Yeah. So Patrick Bryce, the director, also co-writer, uh, Mark Duplass also wrote the first movie in this one. They worked together. So Patrick Bryce starred in the first movie as Aaron, and at the end, uh, he dies. He gets killed by the killer, who's played by Mark Duplass. And in this movie, he's still directing, but uh, Mark Duplass's character, Joseph, has taken on the name Aaron, which I think is pretty freaking cool. Yeah, uh, it, it really shows how how much effect Aaron had on him in the first movie. You can see that he's you know a huge impact on his life. But yeah. once you see the end where you see that he has all these videos, like this is not the first time he's done it. And I, I forget the number he throws out. I think it's like 39. 30, yeah, 39 uh, people that he's done this to. You can tell that Aaron is one that's probably one of the most important to his killing career. Yeah, and I, I love the setup for this movie. It's that, uh, you know, Aaron, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to Mark Duplass's character as Aaron now. So not Aaron from Creep 1, Aaron from Creep 2, the murderer. He He's a serial killer who is turning 40, he's got a little gray in his beard, he's just lost his edge, you know, he's lost the thrill of the hunt, and he's just, he's bummed out, he's, he doesn't know what to do, it's like his one passion in life is coming up dry for him, so he finds this girl named Sarah, who's like expertly played by Desiree Akvan, who I don't think she's been in anything else, she has a YouTube show called Encounters, and basically what it is, is she finds like Craigslist personal ads, and goes and meets the people, and does their weird requests, and, uh, you know, no one's watching her shit on YouTube because it's not weird enough. So she finds this ad from uh, Aaron and she's like, this is the bizarre one I need. And she goes and meets him. And the weirdest thing, he immediately tells her he's a serial killer. Right. So she shows up. He's like, well, I am a serial killer. I've killed 39 people. And I just want someone to document, like, who I am as a person. And she kind of doesn't believe his character and just wants to stick around because she's like, well, this guy thinks he's a serial killer. How much more interesting could it possibly get for my YouTube channel? Like, this guy's <laughs> going to be like such a great interview for me to have. People are going to, you know, my channel's going to blow up because this guy is so crazy and interesting. But if, if you've seen the first one, you know that he actually is a killer. So there's this weird like cat and mouse game in the movie where us as the audience who's seen the first one know that he's actually dangerous and then her as the character doesn't believe him <laughs> yeah he shows her the video of aaron and she's like ah oh, okay and then that's when she like kind of starts to figure it out she's like oh but then as the movie goes on they keep fucking around with each other and she's like totally into it and it just it works really well like she's a great actress all the way through it's, it's really cool it's not, it's not the same as the first movie either which i feel like it could have you know, very easily been. Yeah, I, I think if they would have just rehashed the first one and had her show up and then he just kills her, like, basically the events, you know, censor the creepy packages and all that, I think they could have easily just done that and it would have been, you know, people probably still would have liked it and just kept wanting more and more creep sequels, but uh, I think the way that they take the character in this one where I think that it, it takes down the scares a lot. I think that this one is nowhere near yeah. as scary as the first movie. Yeah. But... It loses that mysterious like creepiness because you, you already know who he is. You right. know, you're not trying to figure anything out anymore. Right. You know that he's actually a serial killer and that he is actually a dangerous person. 
so you're not like second guessing at the whole movie so this this movie they just kind of delve deeper into his mythos where they explain the origins of how you know his first kill and how he <laughs> thinks about the people that he murders and basically just kind of grows as a killer over time and it's i thought that was actually really interesting and cool yeah my, my favorite part is when she's like, do you, like, feel remorse? And he's like, well, yeah, like, at first I do. But then I think back, and it's like, I give these people, like, so many outs. He's like, I tell them constantly. He's like, I tell them right up front, usually. I'm a serial killer. And they stick around. He's like, so I feel like I should feel remorse, but then I don't. It's <laughs> like... <laughs> right. And Mark Duplass plays the, the killer so well that oh yeah you're you, you want to like, see some full frontal mark duplass oh in this yeah movie, you see man. the whole duplass Woo! duplass he just and the boys his robes <laughs> <laughs> and i he he does these things where i think he's trying to weird her out like really kind of see if she'll she'll stick around for the whole thing and just be, uh-huh. tries to like be as weird as he possibly can and she is so determined to actually film him that he gets weirded out. Like, he's like, wow, this girl's creepy. Like, <laughs> what the hell's wrong with her? <laughs> yeah, 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 dude. Yeah, He's, like, repeatedly telling her. He's like, please, go. Like, go. And she's like, no, I'm staying. Like, I'm staying. And, oh, man, it's it's so good. And it doesn't fuck up the sequel thing where... <laughs> Cult of Chucky. It, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's the middle of a franchise, but it, set, it has its own plot. This movie stands completely on its own. But then it leaves the third movie, like, you know what the third movie is going to be, and you're like, cool. Like, that's fine. This movie is great. And if the third movie sucks, it's not going to screw up this movie. Yeah, I I actually did really like the ending for this one. I thought Mm -hmm. that it was really creepy and really makes an interesting setup for the third one where we're going to see some really cool confrontations. And I'm, I'm just really excited for the third one. Yeah, so so this one took what like, oh man, almost three years or two years to come out. I feel like they'll they'll kickstart the the sec or the third one. They'll get that one out probably in a year because they they already started working on it. I don't see why it wouldn't be out sooner than this one took. Right. Yeah. I, I'd probably expect to see it somewhere in October of next year, probably on uh you know VOD and uh, Netflix probably, but. Oh, yeah, Netflix has the deal, so it'll be on Netflix first. Yeah, I'm assuming it'll probably be on, part three will be on Netflix next October. But Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I'm excited for the sequel. Uh, I thought that this did such a good job of building the character in a way that makes him... It's not like what they do with Michael Myers in the Halloween sequels, where the more you know about him, the worse the character gets. It, it's yeah, done so totally. smart the way they build his backstory and the way that he's portrayed by Mark Duplass, that you are, like, you buy it. You're really into, like, the character as a whole, and you want to see how it, how it's all going to play out. Yeah, and it's cool that, while well, the more and more you figure out about him, it's sweet to know more about him, but you never really know if it's true because he's, like, a pathological liar. And I think it's crazy that we still don't know his real name. Like, we don't know anything about the actual character other than, like, he's a serial killer who's a little bit weird, a little bit creepy, and he's into, like, the art form of it, which is bizarre. Yeah. Um, I mean, his whole logic on killing and his desire to make this movie about him and how, you know, 
determined he is to have everything about the movie be perfect. <laughs> yeah, there's, so there's a scene close to the beginning of the movie where he's trying to film a scene where he's in the water, and he just gets so pissed by not everything not going the way that he planned it that you're like, this guy's about to go berserk. He's about to like, go crazy on someone. And, yeah, and he just goes off, and then she finds him, and he's just, like, face down in the dirt. <laughs> like, he's just such a oh, weird so character funny. that's so interesting to watch. I mean, it, I, I know Mark Duplass from watching The League, where he plays a comedic role, and it yeah. is, like, it's so weird to see him in these movies, but he plays the serial killer so well. It's, like, a role I would have never expected to see him do so well in. <laughs> yeah, and uh, his look is great. He, he's, like, got a ponytail. He's drinking kale smoothies. It's just, like, a great L.A. look that he's got going on that I, I laughed at. And th- then they nail, they nail the idea really well that she's an up-and-coming YouTuber and how frustrating that can be. I was like, damn, I'm relating. I'm relating hard. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think that, you know, it's hard for people to make a breakthrough, and I think probably not most people would stick around for <laughs> yeah, like, I interviewing a guy who says he's a serial killer, but I, I understand the the thought process she's going through, where she's like, well, if he was a serial killer, why would he tell me that he is one? Like, there's no way that it's true that he's actually a serial killer. <laughs> and then he just, right, right. like, all throughout the movie, he says, like, well, I don't lie, and I am a serial killer. <laughs> 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 yeah so creep 2 uh safe to say that we both loved it it's out now so tuesdays when the show comes out it comes out the monday before this episode posts it comes out october 24th on netflix so um or no the tuesday it comes out the day our show launches so you can listen to our thoughts here and then you can go watch the movie on netflix right now so that's pretty cool yeah i'd say this is a definite watch i'd say if you're a fan of the first one you will not be disappointed with the sequel and you will want the third installment as soon as possible. All right, so that's Creep 2. Now we're going to move on to The Babysitter. It's from Mick G, I guess that's how you say his name. He directed it. Uh, I don't know who he is, but apparently people like him. Um, so The Babysitter is uh, it's a new Netflix movie. Samara Weaving babysits this 12-year-old kid who's a little too old for a babysitter, and he's a little nerd. Uh, he goes to bed, and... She thinks he's knocked out, and he's not, and then there's, like, a ritual, and she's not what he thinks. Yep. That's that's the babysitter. That's the babysitter. And, uh... <laughs> uh I think so it's... we've liked two movies this week. Just want to throw it out there. <laughs> Everyone just say, you know, we like two movies. Uh, I wouldn't say I hate the babysitter. I wouldn't say it's... Okay. Ba- a ba- it's bad, but it's not, like, unwatchably bad in any way. No, it looks good. It, the gore in it is really good. It's a lot of practical stuff. There's a lot of digital, but a lot of the main gore, the stuff that's on camera most of the time, is practical. And you get to see Bella Thorne get shot through the boob, <laughs> which is, like, so vindicating. <laughs> I thought that all, all, all the kills are pretty fun. Um, following the character, the main kid... I mean, he's okay. He's nothing special, really. I didn't yeah. really have, like, a big connection to him in any way. His I, arc is that he's, like, a nerdy little shit, and then he's not. Suddenly. Yeah. Like, basically, he just turns, and he's like, you know what? I know I'm this person, but maybe I just won't be anymore. But maybe. But, I'm not. But maybe I won't be. And it's <laughs> it just feels weird. The story is bizarre. It starts off really strong, in my opinion. <laughs> the uh, story is bizarre. <laughs> Like, 
some as soon as Samara Weaving shows up, you're invested because she is yeah, she's great easily the best part of the movie far and away no question. She's the best best actress, the best character, and she presents the kid with a choice in the last act of the movie that I would say yes to, even though you're supposed to yes, say no to dude, it. Yes, dude. Fuck. Okay. Can we can we just can we call it now? Put a, put the spoiler stake <laughs> in the ground that we're just gonna spoil this movie, and if you don't want to listen, skip ahead to the end. And, and for the interview, can we just spoil it? Are we okay with that? Is it? It goes against our fear frequency guarantee. I know, but like, God, it's just so important to talk about this choice. <laughs> All right, we'll give fair this, warning. Okay, big fair warning here, guys. We're spoiling the biggest, the big turn in the movie. Not that it's that good at all, but like, we're spoiling it. We're in spoiler land. All right, we're in the spoiler zone. So we've entered the spoiler. Zone. <laughs> we've tuned the fear frequency to the spoiler zone. Right, just one one notch to the right. We were in the dead zone, but now we're in the spoiler. <laughs> so you find out that. The character Smart Weaving plays B is the head of like a weird cult who, with like blood sacrifices, she can grant people's wishes. And with the Necronomicon that's the size of her torso. Right, it's huge. It's this massive book bound in flesh. And there's <laughs> it's a, like absurdly big. It's huge. It really is weirdly big. But she basically saves the kid. From I guess we're spoiling it, so it doesn't really matter. Bella yeah. Thorne's character, and then she's like, "Well, I don't actually want to kill you, and like I think you're cool. So do you want to just come with me to the next town, and we'll just kind of like hang out together and do these like creepy cult rituals all the time? Can we just hang out?" Yeah, it's like well, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, like that's that's what I would do personally." <laughs> yes, and the whole movie's point is trying to make subversive points that you're not gonna guess. And then he's like, nah, and then he drives a car through his front, like, the front of his, like, what? He drives a car through the front of his house to kill her? Like, all she had to do was fucking move three inches. Like, it's not that hard to survive the attack he posits on her. And it's the most predictable ending for her character. Like, yeah, you you think you know he's not going to choose to, like, go with her. So it's like he should have gone with her if the movie wants to keep a consistent tone. Right. And the movie as a whole is just kind of a mess. It starts off as, like, a comedy, I guess. Or, like, a yeah. like a buddy movie, sort of. Yeah, and it's funny. Like, yeah. you're like, oh, cute. Right. Ha, this is great. Warm, fuzzy heart. Right. It's fun. You get to hang out with... It, it, the beginning reminds me a lot of the first half of um, Better Watch Out. Yeah, where totally. Where the, the cool babysitter shows up, and she's you know her and the kid have like a connection and it's kind of fun and it's cool back and forth but then where it makes the turn into like the cult stuff it just really is never consistent it's really strange all the choices that the character makes are like just kind of out there and it it's really just a mess in general it, it never feels like one solid movie. It feels like they had all these ideas for scenes and they just kind of strung them together. Yeah, and it's like you can see that Mick G is wearing the, the, the references on his sleeve here, but it just it's, it never comes together. It's just like you're throwing... It's, uh, it's nostalgia bombing. Like you're just throwing a ton of stuff in that horror fans will get to distract from the fact that this is a pretty bad horror movie all the way through. Like it's not... It's never scary ever. No. And, the rules that the the antagonist crew is following are just bizarre. Like, what can kill them and what can't doesn't really make sense. It's never really explained. 
The Necronomicon book has like eight pages in it also. Like when you see the side of it, it's this thick book, but there's like two inches of space between each page. Like it looks like a coloring book or like a pop-up book. Yeah, it feels like they basically wanted all these characters to do certain things, but then didn't focus on any of the details that would make the story flow together. They don't ever really go into the Necronomicon abilities or who who has their wishes granted and who doesn't, and what their wishes were, what the people were expecting to get out of this situation, why these like teenagers would be willing to murder someone. It's yeah. It's weird, and they never give an explanation for why they would do that. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So uh, that's that's my thoughts. Pretty much nodded I, and bowed. I think it is a fun watch, though. I think that yeah, I had fun watching it. I like the kills. The, I think the kills are fun. I think a lot of the characters are pretty funny, but it's it's not a, a horror movie in my opinion. Yeah. And the ending is bad and kind of puts a bad taste in your mouth by the time you're done watching the movie. But it's kind of fun. I think if you are hanging out with your buddies and you have a couple beers, you'd probably like it. But I think it's not really great and I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's at home on Netflix. Like, I'm sure if this was a theatrical movie, it would have bombed hard. Yeah, I I think so for sure. But a lot of people are watching it. It has a cool poster, I guess. It has a cool look overall. So I'd give it a very solid 5 out of 10. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. So that's our thoughts on uh, <laughs> The Babysitter. So we like two movies this week. I'm proud of us. We, we did good. Yeah. It's, we're coming around. <laughs> and uh, I was looking at the calendar coming up. I was scared that after Halloween we'd have like a little bit of stuff drying up. Mm-hmm. But no, man. We got a lot of stuff in there. We got a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff to watch. Good. Uh, our podcast will live on, I guess, past the month of October. <laughs> exactly. So uh, that brings us right to the end of the show here, uh, technically. We're not doing, remember that segment three is the interview with Peter Rick. Um, so do you have any closing remarks on this week's episode, George? Uh, I would just say everyone should go out and watch Creep 2 immediately. That's definitely the highlight of what the release is this week. And. If yep. you haven't seen, if you haven't seen the first one, definitely check that out as well. Yeah, definitely. That's that's a good closing remark. I'm gonna tell everyone to buy the Evil Within two, so we get another <laughs> game in the series. <laughs> yeah, I uh, beat that recently, and I I love that game, and I hope there's an Evil Within three coming out in the near future. Yeah, I'm close. So, uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Champagne. You can follow George at George Frizzard. And you should follow him because he's only got 80 followers. We've got to get that follower count up. <laughs> it's slowly growing. Yeah. Get, get it up there. Go follow George. Uh, Fear Frequency is at Fear Frequency on everything. And I hope you enjoy the interview that we have with Peter Rick. I had a lot of fun talking to him. He's a great guy. And I liked his movie a lot. So it was, it was way less awkward of an interview than it could have been. <laughs> so uh, as always, I'm Jimmy Champagne. This is Fear Frequency. You never know who might be listening. Okay, so I'm here with Peter Rick here in LA, which is kind of funny because like you don't live here, obviously. And yeah. I, I DM'd you about the movie after I reviewed it, and we kind of both discovered that you were going to be here for two days. So I yeah. drove all the way over to Hollywood, yeah. and we're here in your really nice hotel room. 
Yeah, uh, we're at the standard. So we're um, I, I'm in a band called Humans, the guys who did the uh, the music for the Dead Shack, and uh, we were here actually for a week. And but we were recording, and today we were actually at the studio, and tomorrow's our day off. Okay. So how do you like LA? Do you like being here? Oh yeah, I come here maybe twice a year. So and every time is because it's so big. Yeah. Uh, I find it's a different. It's like I can't go to a different city. I, I, like I see it from a different angle every time. Okay. Yeah, it just feels like a different place. Yeah, man. Yeah, like I only live four miles away, yeah. but it still takes like forty-five minutes to yeah. get here. Anyway, there's a like funny joke where if you're going anywhere in LA, it'll take forty-five minutes. Yeah. It's like this whole thing. <laughs> but yeah, so we're gonna be talking about Dead Check today. Yeah. <laughs> so, I didn't know it wasn't out. Uh, Raven Banner is just like sending it out to whoever I guess that wants to review it, but it's getting really positive reviews, which is cool. And yeah, um, yes, because well, it's going to be out in Canada uh, on Halloween Day actually. Oh, on sweet. VOD and uh, where else going to be? Uh, Movie Network. Okay. Yeah. Oh, iTunes, I think. Oh, something like that. It'll be cool. out in Canada uh, online. So it's coming and, up, and it's going to be in theaters, selected theaters. Okay. Yeah, and in the states, we we're not sure yet. Okay. Yeah. So. I really liked it. I personally like. I thought it was really Great. cool. Thanks. I don't think the trailer or anything like misrepresents it at all. Like, okay. I, knew I, I actually did a different trailer where it's gonna, it was like a lot darker. Okay. And I did the other one with us more goofy, like with the music at the end. And Ribbit Banner is like, yeah, this actually shows the mood of the movie better. Uh -huh. So yeah, you brought up the music a couple times. Yeah. And I can tell from like the Kickstarter video and talking to you about the visual effects, yeah. it seems like you like a lot of creative control over your mm -hmm. projects. And you kind of have your hands in everything. Like I looked at your website too and everything. Yeah. And it looks like, you know, you knew, you know how to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. So was the music just like a budgetary thing or did you just, were you just like from the beginning, I just want to score this? No, I, I really wanted to score it. And um, I knew because of the budget, um, I'm sure the producers, if there was a big producer, because I've done three shows before, and okay. uh, they always want to hire someone who's professional, someone who knows how to yeah. make music. It's like, but I make music for a living. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 you're you're a, cr a creator. You make TV shows. I was like, no, but I've had shows like uh, music on CSI, on like Entourage, on the Passengers trailer, and uh, yeah, for some reason they they never wanted to give me. I guess they didn't want me to be doing too many things. I don't know why. That's weird. Because you think really like weird. if you have a vision yeah. and you can do every aspect yeah. of it, why not yeah. like let you? <laughs> that was me fighting with, with um, the, the studios all the time. And so with this movie, um, I just really wanted to do it. And I think the fact that we didn't have a budget really helped them yeah. solidify like having me to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it actually worked in my favor. And a lot, a lot of things like, you know, I did the titles. Um, and then also nobody believed in the idea because it was my creation and every step I had to fight to get people on board and and in the end we made the movie. So, was, so like was there something that happened that kind of pushed it over where like people started to accept the idea more? Um, well, we had the, we did a proof of concept trailer with Finn right, and that was before he started shooting Stranger Things. Yeah. And then we got greenlit uh, when Stranger Things came out, right before it came out. And then Finn was supposed to be, we were trying to get him in the movie, but he was starting uh, Stranger Things 2, season 2, yeah. exactly when we were shooting the movie. Uh, you know, maybe he wouldn't have done it, but uh, we were in the talks, and um, he's a good guy. Like, uh, he came to the, the premiere cool. in Vancouver, and he's super supportive. Uh, yeah, he's fucking talented, that guy. So, did his character transition, like, into Jason in the movie? Was he going to play that character? Yeah, I wanted him to do Jason because I, I knew he was 
really good. Um, I wanted to, Jason's kind of dorky, and but he has to be kind of cool at the same right. time. And I knew he could pull it off. And uh, we ended up with um, uh, Matthew uh, Mayhood, who's who's really good, and he he is that character. Yeah. Um, but uh, if we had Finn, he would have been younger, which I think. So yeah, he's older. Yeah. So did that change the character at all, like in in the script or anything? Did you have to go back and rewrite any of it, or? No, we didn't have to rewrite anything, but uh, we did add that line. Uh, what are you like, fourteen or something? Yeah. To to explain. But also, that movie, maybe if we did have a, a younger cast, uh, which was you know what we wanted to do in the beginning, we wouldn't have been able to shoot the movie because it's, uh, you can only have a younger cast from, for seven hours a day, and 14 oh. to 17, we can have him for 10 hours. Nice, okay. And 10 hours, uh, you have three hours of that has to be put into um, uh, a tutoring. And then when each time they change clothes, that's 20 minutes of yeah. put it on and off. So that's another hour. So you're left with like six hours, you know? It's not a lot. <laughs> and uh, you can't tell it, but in the movie, there's a lot of shots. It's actually the writer or me or the producers uh, from the back playing the kids. Yeah, you know, I heard you say that yeah. <laughs> on the, the Modern Horrors podcast. Okay. And I, so I was looking yeah. for it. I couldn't see it. You couldn't see it? No, and yeah. I have like a, I have a pretty big TV. Like yeah. I got this like 55-inch 4K yeah. TV. And like I downloaded from Vimeo and everything, and still yeah. didn't see it. So it's funny. It the good. producer looks so much like uh, the sixteen-year-old girl from <laughs> oh, behind, funny. and she has the same hair. It's, we got so lucky. And the part that I'm at is um, when uh, Summer goes in uh, in the house and she's looking for Colin. Um, I put the I was playing Jason, yeah. and I had the hoodie on. Okay, and I was just trying to act like Jason. I was like, Sorry. Yeah, I like Googled you guys yeah. and everything, and I was like, you you do look like him, which is funny. I do look like him? Okay. Yeah, like, you have like the same build and everything, kind okay. of, so I was like, oh, that works, because yeah. if it was Finn, I feel like it would have been a lot harder for you to get into that, because <laughs> yeah. he's true. like a little guy. He's like super skinny, too, yeah. <laughs> cool, so like, what's what was the inspiration? Like, what what made you wake up one day and go like, I want to make a zombie movie with kids? Um, I was I was trying to make these uh, like $80 million movies, or <laughs> these movies are really expensive, and I went to see Fright Night, the remake. Oh, I, I actually love that movie. Yeah, it was really good. Super underrated. Yeah. I love the first one. That was like probably one of the first uh, horror comedies I'd seen. Yeah. And uh, it's really it really good. marked me. Uh, and then when I saw the remake, I, I was like, this is just as this is just as fun as the first one. And I was like, why well, don't I want to try and make a movie like this? Something that's more uh, realistic. So I went home and I wrote the outline in three days. And I when I wrote it, I made sure there was like two locations. Okay. No characters, you know. Yeah. Uh, just like Evil Dead 2. Right. And, um, yeah. And then I showed it to my friend who were writers, and uh, I was like, do you want to help me write this into a script? He's like, no, this is not really good. <laughs> and then I tell him, no, it's good. This is why we're going to make it and uh, why it's it's realistic to make it. And then, okay, we wrote the script, and then uh, nobody wanted to do it. So I shot a fake trailer, and I spent $15,000 on it. Okay. And, I mean, uh, that, that fake... Was it the fake trailer that you used in the Kickstarter thing? Yeah. That yeah. came out really good. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it looks yeah. good. Um, and then even when, when the writers, as, um, we had a first draft, and I, I showed it to uh, Rick Tay, who was um, a director producer. I was like, do you want to produce this? He's like, there's a bunch of things that could be better in the script. And then I, I wrote up all the notes. He told me to read two books, uh, save, How to Save the Cat okay. and uh, Story. And then I told my my writing partners like we need to rewrite it. We got to do all these notes, 
And he's like, hey, man, I got a family. Like, I can't. I've already worked on this for like three years with <laughs> Everyone you. Everyone is like battling yeah. you on this. It's like, I, I don't have time. I don't have time and money for this. And like, look, I'm shooting a trailer. It's going to help make the, the movie greenlit. He's like, I don't know, man. Like, don't put your money in that. You're never going to see any of it. It's never going to happen. The hell's going on? That <laughs> <Yeah>. sucks. <laughs> no one is supportive. And then, uh, so I, it's like, well, I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. And it was supposed to cost like uh, 6000 And then it just like escalated to 15000 And then I showed him like a super rough cut, like filming from my laptop with my iPhone. And then I showed it to him. I was like, dude, I think this is going to be a really good trailer. And he's like, holy shit, that looks amazing. Okay, I'm starting. <laughs> I'm going to do all the, the changes on the script. And okay. so he did the changes. And then we met a bunch of producers in Whistler. And uh, everyone said no. It's funny because some of them were like, so what's the budget on this? It's like, well, we, I think we can make it for 300000 but I think a million point five would be amazing. It's like, yeah, we only do $10 million movies. It's like, well, you can make this a yeah, $10 Yeah, you million. can just yeah. give us $10 million. I'm just saying, like, what's the lowest? And, you know, the bigger the actor is, the more it's going to cost and yeah. the more you can sell the movie. So, and I find it's where people say, like, oh, we only make these type, these type of budget budgeted movies. But anyway, so this one girl, Amber Ripley, she um, she actually lives in Vancouver, and uh, she was interested, and we got along, and she uh, found the money uh, with Telefilm and private investors and tax breaks. Awesome. Yeah. So, like, when you finished it, were you just like, yes, <laughs> like uh, I did it? I feel like... Yeah, it was, it was pretty... I mean, it's a dream come true, and I had it planned uh, when I was younger. I was like, okay... By this age, I'm going to do this, and by this age, and I think by the time I'm 40, I'll have a movie done. Yeah. Like my first feature, and I, I did it at 35. Hey, man. I'm 36. It's pretty good. So it's pretty good, yeah. yeah. I mean, I beat myself by my plan of by five years, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. That's good. I yeah. mean, and the movie came out great, too. It's yeah, like, it thanks. Looks good. Cool. Like, every aspect of it seems to be on point. Like, I feel like the poster also looks yeah. really good. Thank you. Came out great. It has, like, yeah. a super 80s aesthetic to it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, something I really liked, the soundtrack is, it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't match the movie, it's just that like, it sets a tone for the movie. It's really a that's dark different. soundtrack. Yeah, it's and, cool. And uh, I find, because we're going to re- be releasing it with uh, Lakeshore Records. Okay. Um, and I think when people are going to listen to the soundtrack, they're going to be like, oh, this movie looks, sounds really dark and cool. Yeah. And then they're going to watch it, it's like, this is a comedy. Well, that <laughs> intro track, that yeah. intro track stood out to me a lot. Yeah. When, she, when uh, the neighbor is just like... She's oh, like that, total bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, like the 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 like '70s old yeah, school. Yeah, that was song. weird. Yeah. And yeah. then it it switches tone after that, just something like a little bit different, but it's still brooding and dark. Yeah, I, I feel like it didn't take away at all from the movie, but it stood out to me, even though I was laughing the entire time. I was really? like, "Wait, this is kind of dark." Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, um, and also my friend, uh, I because I, I really wanted to do like a John Carpenter soundtrack, mm-hmm. but I wanted to add a lot of violin to make it more. And I was cinematic and my friend Dougal I wrote uh, like 40 songs in, in two weeks wow. during the Christmas holidays Jesus and I, I saw my friend on like the day before Christmas he came to Vancouver he played violin and I was like hey can I send you um, do you want to do uh, some violin for my movie he's like yeah I was like okay I'll send you some tracks and uh, he's, he sent me like five different uh, violin takes like um like layers mm-hmm. for 45 songs he did wow. all of them it was crazy and then i had so much to choose from and uh, you'll be able to hear like the long versions of the songs that's going to be coming out cool uh, with the uh, u.s release date so like the records. what's like the hardest so you did a lot on this what was the hardest part of 
making this movie? Shooting, shooting sucks. Yeah, it's like it's fun, but it's it was the coldest it had been in Vancouver uh, that 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 whole year. Um, you can't tell in the movie, but we were freezing. No, it looks cold. I like the setting cold. though. Yeah, like. Yeah. I mean, I'm from Michigan. Because some and people that looks they like have like small winter. jackets, you know. Yeah, they're all wearing bomber jackets, and I was like, ah, yeah. man, I'd be like freezing. I can't wear that stuff in the winter. <laughs> and some of the guys, uh, like the the zombie guys, they only had a shirt, and uh, and they're like freezing. And it's like, hey guys, are, are you okay? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we shoot now? Can we shoot now? Yeah. <laughs> did that affect the makeup at all? Like, did the makeup freeze or anything? Or is uh, it, it was just hard. Okay? A lot of them couldn't put the um, the lens, uh, contact lenses on. Oh, okay. So some of the shots we CG'd it so that it's uh, white. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even know that was a thing. But then in Mayhem, that new Joe yeah. Lynch movie, like that movie is so good. Have that's my favorite it? movie of the year. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I yeah. loved it. The, the script is so like it's on point. Like yeah. the dialogue is. Amazing. Everything came together, yeah. and uh, the, all the red just, eyes yeah. are CG. Oh, really? Every single one. No way. Yeah, they didn't look, use context at real. all. Do you know in that movie there's a part where um, uh, in slow motion people are fucking in the back? Yeah, yeah. He said that at Beyond Fest. He was oh, like yeah. talking about I, that. I saw him at uh, uh, London Fright Fest. Yeah. And were you there? Uh, no, no, I wish, dude. I'm okay. gonna go next year. Like, that's yeah. That's and he was best. like, yeah, these people were actually fucking. Yeah, we we literally just talked about that yeah. in last week's episode. Yeah, because <laughs> that's when we talked about mayhem. But yeah, yeah. And then so there, there. I don't know if you talked about it on. He said that, but he's like, Jeez, it smells kind of yeah. weird. He's like, yeah, these people are fucking. In the yeah. back. He's like, oh shit. So and you then, don't have any of that going on in your No, we didn't. Right? No, there's like kids on sets. <laughs> like, I don't think that's right. I think we we go to jail. Um, yeah, so the, yeah, the, the toughest thing was, was shooting, and uh, uh, what else was tough? It was just like every, every day was like going, going to war. Okay. And then you, you, you achieve the impossible, and then you have 14 more days to go. So we did 15. So 15 days. Yeah. That's, that's and, short. And every day I was like ripping out pages of the, the boards because we didn't have the time or budget. Yeah. So all the scenes were like, uh, the action scenes especially were a lot longer. Uh-huh. Um, there was like more thought out, like cool things like when when the 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 zombie attacks uh, one of the kids who has the, the nails on, on his shoulders yeah. so that the hands get stuck on oh, his cool. shoulders <laughs> so he's like you can really bite him easily I don't want to say cool because that's yeah. like so you'll not never in see it, it. Yeah, yeah that's a that's yeah. a bummer is yeah. what's like so yeah that's got to be one of the scenes but what's another scene where like you were really uh, upset and didn't make it in there's um the scene where um, they they drag the blonde uh, zombie into the when they open the trap door, yeah. like the the brown guy uh, comes out and he axes the the brown and then he falls and then they push the white one in in uh, the trap door and then as they they close it the hand like they can't close it because the hands there and then he grabs the girl's hair okay and then the kid has to like. Like use the axe to like cut her hair oh, off. Oh, okay, cool. And then they have to stomp, and the the fingers like chop off. There's like and there's just like more blood, and just every scene was just more fun, and we couldn't do any of it. Every 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 action scene is like, okay, how can we shoot this as quick as possible? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, in the, in the, when you watch the movie now, you, you don't really think about it, but oh yeah, and and uh, when when the his arm gets uh, shot off, the uh-huh. blonde one. At the end of the scene, when the kids go back in the house, like you see the hand just like crawling. Like, <laughs> yeah, the Evil Dead references yeah, are real. Yeah, yeah. So was did so was that a set with the trap door, or did you find a house with the trap door into a cellar we, like that? We found a, that house is a, is a story, man. It's um, 
we lost the location. We had this amazing house. Everything was, goes wrong. It was yeah, it was beautiful. We lost it uh, six days before shoot. And, this uh, is like tragic. Yeah, and then we were like, okay, we can shoot outside of this house, but the inside has asbestos and it's really bad and it's really small. We okay. have to shoot in another place, or we can find a new house that we has everything. And then this uh, this guy found the house, and he's like, yeah, there's like no one living there. It's abandoned. And so you want to go check it out? I was like, yeah, I go check it out, and I hear people. It's like. Dude, there's people here. I was like, no, it's vacant. There's no one here. And the guy lives in uh, with his family in Florida. I was like, okay, well, I can hear people talking. And so we go upstairs, and we found like a a guy shooting up and a girl like and a mattress and it's like a crack house. And <laughs> people were just shooting at that moment, and they so were, were so like, nice. It's like, hey, okay. so do you guys live here? It's like, no, no, it's just a house. Like. We come here, you know, three times a week uh, for like, it's been like a year and a half. I was like, oh, cool. And it's like, well, so we're thinking about shooting here. It's like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> what the fuck? And then there was a trailer outside and there was like um, a glass full of like maybe 25 needles in there. It was crazy. So, so do you have to like call yeah. someone and get rid of that or like so it's kids right yeah so we, we we got the team we had to redress the whole house you can't just put those in the movie right yeah you can't as much them. as you probably yeah. want to <laughs> yeah and then uh, we actually cut the trap door in there and uh yeah it just all worked out yeah it looked great yeah. thanks yeah. um so my other question is so at what point did you know you're gonna have to kickstart for the vfx like did you always know? Was that always the plan? Or were you just like, fuck, we just... Yeah, I, I didn't want to do it. But then um, when we looked at the budget, we had the, the budget for uh, the, the effects, for the makeup and all that. Okay. But we didn't have anything, so in case we couldn't shoot it, and we or we wanted to add some more stuff. And I was like, well, so what are we going to do? So I was like, I don't know. It's like, okay, well, we'll do a Kickstarter. It's like, okay, well, you do it, you do it, because I don't know how to do that. It's like, okay. And uh, so we did it, and... I thought we were gonna gotten more. I hate asking friends for money or, or okay. family, and it was thank God for friends and family. Thanks, guys. Yeah, man. But um, uh, I was hoping that you know people would we wanted to see that movie, and uh, so thanks to the ones who who did who did uh, help out. But I was I was thinking that we've had more uh, interest from strangers. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I always. And blown away when I see Kickstarters that explode yeah. like that because I don't know how yeah. they get reach. Yeah, some <laughs> like some of them do. It. My friends who did the Void. Oh um, right, yeah, that's a you know yeah good movie. Yeah, it's pretty. It's, it's pretty, pretty cool. And uh, they they raise a ton of money for the VFX. Um, so I was like, oh, if they raise a lot of money with a, a trailer like that, I got a trailer too. The movie is totally financed. So we just want extra money. We're not asking people money to make the movie. Yeah. You know? So I thought people have been, uh, you know, happy to hear that. And uh, with the, the Kickstarter, like we had some people be like, "Hey, I'm thinking about uh, giving you a thousand dollars, but I'd like to get an executive producer credit." It's like, not, "What are you talking it's about?" It's not and how it works. Like, and also, I want to be in the movie. It's like, what? No, the, the movie is already casted, and 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 then there's the other guys like, "Okay, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars, and I'm an actor, so I'm going to send you a voicemail." Uh, on your phone and I want you to put it in the movie I was like what are you talking about that's really dumb yeah. <laughs> that's really weird yeah yeah I've seen a few things that I had to use Kickstarter this year it seems like it's just happening but like I'm 
like pretty active in the horror community. I don't, yeah. I don't even hear about it. I don't know why. You didn't hear about. Um, I didn't hear the about Dead the Shack? void. I had no idea about Dead Shack. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Oh. It just never came up. But then Never yeah. Hike Alone, which is like a YouTube, yeah, Vimeo Friday the Thirteenth fan film. Okay. That was the one everyone was sharing, and I was like, but and did did they raise money? Yeah. How yeah. Much? I don't I don't know exactly how much, but that thing just came out last Friday. Yeah. And I mean, it looks good. Yeah. But I was like, wow. Did you see the Carpenter? I forgot their name. Something Carpenter Carpenter Brew. Yeah. Yeah, you know who they are. Yeah. Yeah, they raised like a hundred eighty thousand euros for like music video. So they were gonna do a a short film, and they needed like ten thousand or fifteen thousand. Okay. And they raised a hundred. So I think they're making a feature. Well, he got big because, or they they were in that Hotline Miami game. The which one? Hotline Miami. What's that? It's like a, it's an over, the, it's a, one of my favorite games. It's an over the top, yeah, two D like brawler where you die in one hit, but everyone else dies in one hit, Whoa. and it's like super eighties inspired. Uh, it's inspired by Drive. I'm gonna so check that. they did the like theme for that, and then really? they got that game blew up, and then so they got a ton of reach from that. I don't know how all that tangent just happened. But they're but. they're they're really, like their their stuff looks really crisp. Because I was looking at your Kickstarter. And I saw you guys wanted like fifty-two thousand. What like what would that have bought over the twelve thousand that you got? Because um, I couldn't see any visual effects at all. Like I couldn't tell. It looked really good yeah. in the movie. Cool. Um, well, we, we didn't know how much. So we we asked uh, a, a VFX company. Um, what are they called? Because there's a bunch of them in, in Vancouver, and some friends work there. Uh, like Digital Domain is one. Oh, okay, of them. cool. And then they sent us uh, a shop list of like how much it would cost to do everything, and I think it was like fifty-two thousand dollars. And I was like, okay, that's a lot of money. Um, uh, I don't think it's it would cost that much. Mm-hmm. And so my friend who um, he bought a new computer, and I, we were into animation school together, uh, Andrew Hogan, and he uh, he's like, hey Pete, I just bought a new computer. I got a fucking sick processor. Processor. And I, I think I can figure out how to how to do your head explosions. And I was like, can I take a crack, crack at it? I was like, okay. And he did it, and it's actually, this is not bad. Even yeah, the producer, you said you were getting mad at him when you were talking I was to me. Getting, like, yeah, I was getting good. mad at him because um, he works late at night okay. when everyone's asleep. <laughs> and when you're awake the next day, and that's, you know, that's when you call people and send right. emails, he's, he's sleeping. And yeah, so I can see like why that'd be a problem. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, there's deadlines, and it was just really hard to to get a communication going. Um, but yeah, in the end, he, you know, uh, after I don't know, all the emails going back and forth, a few emails going back and forth, and we got to, to get it on time, like just at the nick of time. And uh, like you said, like you can't tell some some people like I. I I can see the ones that are really obvious, but if you if but you, you made it, so you can it, see. Yeah, it. that's different. That's that's awesome. You should have seen what they I, were like originally. Like we, because we actually shot those those head explosions in camera. Okay. But uh, the head would like explode way too quick in like two frames. Oh. And then we did it again, and it would be like a balloon deflating, uh, or it wouldn't. It would only explode one half of the head, and you'd see a hairpiece like go out like <laughs> Benny Hill, like. That stuff makes it into movies a lot too, yeah. like a lot of these indie horror movies. Yeah. And so what usually happens is they call attention to it. They'll be yeah. like, "Yeah, we went with like all practical effects because yeah. we think that looks better." Yeah. But it's like, 
and then you see it and you, it's like secondhand embarrassment because yeah. you know they know it's there and you know it's there yeah. but i couldn't see any of it in this movie I, I mean like i'm not gonna lie it's like an indie movie so it's like you have an expectation going in yeah. and so and like i'm an editor during the day so i i noticed that stuff but i didn't like i was consistently impressed yeah with the visual it's Sick. It's, it's like it's consistent which is good okay. That's what I really like about yeah. the movie. That's like that what about consistent. when the the head exp- the first head explodes, Lisa, and then it falls. I find that torso thing. It looked really fake. Yeah, but it, that looked cool because it looked like a dead body. Like really, I like okay. that because it fit the tone too. Because you know, okay. Evil Dead, I could yeah. obviously tell from multiple points of this movie. Yeah, the Evil Dead is a big inspiration yeah, for it. Yeah, for sure. And that that's directly what yeah. that reminded me of. <laughs> yeah, and Evil Dead too, and he goes in the um, the shed. Yeah. And then uh, the, the his uh, beheaded ex-girlfriend comes in with the, the chainsaw. Mm-hmm. It's like so fake. You can tell that somebody going yeah, like that. But like, it's so good. And those movies had the benefit of being hidden by like, you know, a, a shitty film camera. You yeah. know, and it's like you lose a lot. You get a lot of grain and stuff that yeah. covers that up. Yeah. But when you're filming in HD like that, like, yeah. it's hard to cover that. But it looked yeah. good. Like, cool. Thanks, man. I really like that. And then so I guess my next question is going back to taking a look at your website, seeing how much you do. Like, what's next? Is it going to be another live-action thing, or are you just kind of like... I'm working on... Um, I did a comic book called One Star Land. Okay. Oh, so it's uh, like a graphic novel. Yeah, so it's a comic I did uh, that I published last year. So did you do, like, the art and writing? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the second part, I did it with uh, this guy, Sonny Shaw. Okay. I know that name. Yeah? Okay. From where? I don't know. It sounds really <laughs> familiar. <laughs> so Sonny, uh, he, he's like... Hey, uh, I really like your work. Um, it'd be great if we could work together someday. So um, I was like, "Yeah, uh, I got to do this comic book. Uh, do you want to draw it with me, the second part?" And okay. he's like, "Yeah, I would love to." And uh, so we worked on it together. And I think he, like, you know, the, the money wasn't great, and I th- he didn't realize how much work <laughs> a comic <laughs> is. So uh, yeah, he he did. We it was like you know, good partnership. Um, okay. And now I'm also very demanding and hands-on everything, so yeah. In the end, uh, it came out, and uh, I sold. I don't know. I I made about fifth um, five hundred fifty copies. Okay. I made about fifteen thousand on Kickstarter, and uh, and a lot of it were PDFs. So you know, it was like good free money for me. And it paid for like a lot of the, the publishing, and then it had all these books and had nowhere to sell them. Like nobody was buying them. Great. And then uh, Scott uh, Scott Comics, they said we wanna we wanna release it for you, and so they released it, sold out, and then I sold, at, and then there was a buzz going online. Cool. And the comics were selling for like I don't know twenty five bucks as opposed to three bucks or four bucks. Okay. And then uh, the Not word bad. got out from my website with like the hardcover limited editions. And so I sold like uh, 300 in two days. And then awesome. I to, yeah, and then I, had to, I was sold too much. And then I spent about uh, um, two months just signing every copy, doing a doodle <laughs> like I promised, and then shipping it, sending the... Okay. Yeah, it was like the it's worst of part of my life. Like, and that was like summertime, just inside the house, like doodling in two, <laughs> like 300 bucks. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be my next movie. Uh, Are you going to keep it animated? Yeah, I want to do it animated. It's a post-apocalyptic 1830s Germany cool. uh, with Cthulhu monster to take, take over the earth and eradicate like everything. And there's a little 10-year-old girl and a 52-year-old man. And they're, they become best friends and they find a way to destroy the Cthulhu monsters. 
cool that sounds yeah. really cool yeah so is that like are there bigger aspirations for that like theatrical or yeah well, are you gonna try we're, we're open to, to get it uh to get like a 10 million dollar budget like wow. maybe seven to ten um i'd be doing a, a lot of this stuff again i wouldn't be animating but i'd be very hands-on and then uh, i got a vampire movie that i, I want to do it's um it's kind of like I think it's kind of like super bad meets Goodfellas meets vampires. <laughs> Three good things to say yeah. <laughs> about a movie. And, it's, uh, and then I got another one. It's uh, Merge with the same guys that I did Dead Shack. Uh, and that's like uh, Days and Confused meets The Thing. Awesome. It's, yeah, it's it's like, I think it'll be something you've never seen before. The monster in it is, is ridiculous. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, as long as the CG and practical effect is, you know, good gonna be good and then what else we got we're trying to do a tv show it's kind of like a, a gremlins meets uh ghostbusters with uh stand by me okay yeah. cool i like that yeah uh i know there's tons of stuff we're working on so yeah, yeah. it's good that you, yeah. you got a bunch of stuff going on at all times yeah. it seems like because you never know what's going to get greenlit so yeah, it's tough. If, Open as yeah, many doors as you exactly. can. Exactly. Have have ten scripts with you. So it's like, what kind of movie are you looking for? You know, yeah. <laughs> bring the movie to that. Yeah, that's cool. I like yeah. that. It's awesome, man. So if you could take over though, like <laughs> one franchise. So there's one franchise you could reboot and just do your own creative. Really? Like Blumhouse comes up to you and they're like, "Here's five million and a bunch of creative control." Like, wh- what okay. are you doing? Five million is not a lot, though. Well, that's what they give everyone. Okay. So, like, you're stuck with five million. Five million? Yeah. And I can reboot anything? 100% creative control, and you can reboot anything. Hmm. Like what, you know, Danny McBride's doing with Halloween and David Gordon Green. Yeah. You know John Carpenter is doing the score for that? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. It's crazy. I'm seeing him on Tuesday. Really? Yeah. Wow. He's here. No way. Yeah. Or not Tuesday, on Halloween. Okay. Yeah. Um, Damn it, I don't know. I love Mad Max. Okay. Uh, That'd be cool. I really like the Evil Dead remake. I Me wouldn't too. re. I would like, like maybe to redo the second one. But how do you mm. do when the, the remake ends? Like how do you do the sequel to that? All right, you you can take like any franchise okay. and just clean slate it. <laughs> clean slate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, when I was a kid, I really wanted to do Wolverine movie. Oh uh, hell yeah! And I hated every Wolverine movie until Logan. Okay. And that was like the movie I wanted to make as a kid. Would you make the movie with the girl who played uh, X-23? Uh, with but, like, grown up? What do you mean? In Logan, you know how, like, he has the girl? Yeah. Who's, like, his oh, clone? Oh, do, do like, the, the yeah. sequel Would you ever do that movie? Uh, well, yeah, maybe. Oh, actually, no. The, what the, the Wolverine I wanted to make was going to be rated R when I was a kid. And it's when he fights the Yakuza's or the Triads. Okay, cool. I think it's, like, number 23 of the... I used to read Wolverine comics. I used to read them. Uh, what else? I really liked Dragon Ball Z when I was a kid, but I don't think that could be done into a movie. Yeah, M. Night Shyamalan tried, right? Or yes. no, that was Airbender. Yeah. But the Dragon oh, Ball movie was, sucks. Was, the, the cartoon is so good, uh-huh. that movie. And I hate how he put his name, M. Night Shyamalan's... No, it's not yours. <laughs> yeah. like you, you're lying. Yeah, whatever. Um, damn it, I guess... But I can't take over Mad Max because George Miller. I want to see what he's gonna do with it. Yeah. Okay. So that's fair. I mean, Wolverine. Okay. You know what? Yeah, Wolverine or Star Wars. Oh, dude, I'd watch a Star Wars movie from you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think you can't do anything good with five million for Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. You you can break the the. Yeah. I think with Wolverine, 
if with five million and yakuza's and no other like other superhero i think you can make a pretty good movie yeah i mean i'd watch that for yeah. sure that'd be really cool how much was um the keanu reeves movie there uh the fighting ones John Wick? Yeah, how much, what was the budget on that? I don't know, it can't be that high though. Yeah. It was kind of came out of nowhere. Like, you could tell yeah. the first one. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, stock footage in that movie and stuff, you know. Oh, there is? Yeah, a lot of the okay. overhead shots in New York, you could kind yeah. of tell. Could you tell the stock footage in my movie? No. Oh, sweet. Like, when they're driving up the road, I've picked that, is that one? No. Okay, good, because I like that no. shot. <laughs> <laughs> I used that in my review. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know, I couldn't tell any stock. What was stock sweet. footage? Uh, well, don't, 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 don't tell it. Yeah. Don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's like two two or three I think there's two yeah I'm glad you can't tell I can't tell yeah. I feel like I could I might be losing my edge but like I couldn't tell yeah cool Great. well it's all the questions I that, that that was what I really wanted the movie to to people and not be taken away by ah stock footage yeah. well you can tell usually when people use it yeah like, like, like what's the movie where you can tell do bad, bad Santa 2 Oh, I haven't seen that one. I love the first movie. All stock footage. Really? Yeah, and I feel like the Exorcist TV show uses a ton of stock footage. Okay, I've never that seen take, that show. It's placed in Chicago. Okay. And you can tell they like kind of filmed it there, but like yeah. not really because that. I mean, yeah. the show's good, but awesome, man. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, appreciate thank you. it. This is the the first big interview on the show. Yeah. You, you get to take that home. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so when we hit it big, and yeah. you know we get a thousand downloads yeah. every week, you'll get. But no one's Everyone gonna go else. to the first one. No, that's what you do with podcasts. Really? Yeah, I do that with every podcast. I usually go just to see the names of people I like. No, I gotta get to know. See, the problem, you gotta get to know what the people are really like. Yeah. You know, because once they get big, they kind of lose, you know, their edge. You know, they really careful with their jokes. You know, yeah, okay. people are like way more reserved once they get big. So then you okay. go back to episode one. Yeah. And you hear what they're really like. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's okay. what it's gonna be like. So if, if in 10 years, you and me are doing this again. Yeah. And we meet again. You think we're, we're gonna be way more reserved and. and I'm not. <laughs> not. You, but I will. Uh, maybe it depends. It depends. Like, see, yeah. I mean, it w- it would make sense though because you'd have this big studio behind you. Yeah, you so I can't. To, say I mean, it. I've been in I'd those be interviews of like saying the wrong thing. Yeah, I've been on a ton of those interviews where yeah. like I just want to throw my notebook at the ground because yeah. you can't ask anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>